there is a, a short anecdote later on in the book where um, Jay, by the way, we're, we're reading Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk, if you missed it. Um, Jay tells an Who, anecdote. Who's starting, who's starting mid-podcast? If you just joined us, if you just joined us, welcome. But I am your host, Jason Lafferty. I'm your host, Dylan Dentremont. We are two dudes who review books. Dylan, my dude. What's up, my dude? Not nothing. Nothing's up. There's. Nothing. I mean, that's that, that's not true. That's not true. There's a lot say, that's up. Sound like you. That's there's not true. There's a lot that's up. You know, I've been thinking a lot about our our podcast intro. And uh, I'm like, you know, we don't say each other's names enough. Like we need to, we need to name up more, right? That, that that's that's fair enough. That fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> no, we well, like we don't say each other's names enough. And you know, it's this is you know two dudes review books, and I'm like Dylan, my dude, and I'm like, do I now sound like a Bill and Ted? Are we now having this Bill and Ted thing? Like, yeah. So, yeah. No, my but, dude, but, Dylan. But I think yeah. that's reasonable. Uh, I think yeah. we can use each other's name more. And I think, uh, you know, honestly, without getting too meta about it, it it'll be better for our listeners, you know, to, to kind yeah, of please prob- us. But they probably should know our names at, at one point. We, we have to consider the purpose of the conversation, right? I yes. mean, and ultimately, if the purpose was just for us to talk to each other, then our names are actually not that no, useful. No, that, really, yeah, yeah right? we, we know each other's names by now. We do, right? We, we, don't, we don't need to resort to name calling around here. Uh, we can just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're we're on a we're on a no name basis. Is that we're on a no name basis? I I think that's better than a first name basis. Yeah. But to be fair, know. you know, while we don't need to name drop all the time, Jason, uh, I think that we <laughs> can, uh, find ways to work it in naturally. Wouldn't you say, Jason? That is a very good point, Dylan. I'm glad you brought this up, Dylan. <laughs> no, so my my pause. What's going on? There's a lot going on, and that's that's what tripped me up there is that we don't use our names enough uh yeah so god where to where to start um i want to start before we even get into the book before we get in and there's a lot to unpack in the book yeah Uh, 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 you know our viewers can't see this but but you can maybe you could describe yeah uh for for our listeners out there what 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 you're seeing here yeah can 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 we hear it so Dylan's got his book and he's got posted notes that, I mean, really not that well organized in a way. They're very ripped and torn. Like it's yeah, a it's, very it's tattered. because I was going to run out of post-it notes if yeah. I didn't rip them in half. Very tattered post-it <laughs> notes. But yes, it just post-it notes, post-it notes. That, one, that one's just peeking out. That one's yeah. a good one right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's notes on the post-it notes of, hey, yeah. this is this is what it is. And so the audiobook on this is is like over 10 hours. I'll bet. It's, it's an over 10 hours of audio. I was I was looking into like these things and like looking at all of it. And I'm like, oh, this is a long book. Mm-hmm. But 
Oh, nice. Uh, cheer, cheers to you, sir. I'm, I'm whiskey gingering it tonight. So mine, mine says, um, because virtual teaching. Because virtual yeah, teaching. Yeah, I, a teacher yeah. friend of mine got this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> virtual teaching. Uh, yeah. So what happened since we last talked is, um, I got my accreditation. Woo! From the International Coaching Federation. Congratulations, right. dude. Uh, yeah, so I now hold uh, an ACC, which is an accredited certified coach. You have lots of hours that have to go into this. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of mentor coaching. It's over 100 hours of, of coaching people. And yeah, a lot goes into this. It's been a long time coming. It took me longer than I, I really was expecting it to take but there's a pandemic going on and a baby pandemic, happened dadding housing yeah. husbanding uh, adulting, working full-time new, yeah, new yeah. job yeah my word yeah. All, my guy you've been all, living it all these things but you know i also there this the journey that it's taken me on is 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 there's just something there and i i I wanted it to come a lot quicker than it did, but I'm glad, honestly, that it didn't. I I've got it now, and now it's on to the the kind of the next chapter. And you know, part of being a a coach is you're a lifetime learner. So, yeah. you know, it's on to looking at what's next, and it's on to you know continuing to coach people, continue to work with people, and doing podcasts like this and talking about knowledge and talking about learning, and talking about growth, and they do a little of that in this book. Yeah. Well, there, there are not a lot of mentors that, that you and I overlap, but, but there's one and you're going to recognize this right away. And he always said, share the secret. Oh, Scott, Scott house, right? chef, yep. Scott house, the chef that we shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Share the secret. And it's one of those things I, I live by. Mm -hmm. share the secret it's there's so many different levels when it comes to that mm -hmm. and i Definitely. really it's part of this you know part of what jay shetty what the book we're talking about today jay shetty yep think like a monk i think mean like a monk he is sharing a secret there's yeah. you know and we we got to go out there and we got to share these secrets and we got to help you know help people help educate people help grow with people not help pe people teach us like yeah this is not a one-way street here yeah uh, i mean and and you know back to the teaching them teaching us you know he even talks a little bit in this book about even as a teacher being able to be humble and have enough humility to recognize that you can learn from your students right yeah and so um learn learning from each other learning from people different than you all, all super critical themes throughout this book. Absolutely. I was wondering if we should take a minute, and this is one thing, one thing that I'm, I'm hoping we can grow. Can we take a minute more like an hour? I, I think it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a couple minutes here, but yeah. To talk about the structure of the book, just kind of what, what sometimes happened, you and I get, we get so excited that we like, we were elbow deep within like 30 seconds, but I was wondering if we could take it like a, a view from 30,000 feet of this book sort of walk through. No, and I'm with you on that because, because there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. When I was sitting yeah. here 
Okay, so everybody, we, we mentioned it and I'll mention it again. Um, so in, in the last episode, um, which is not even out yet, we're not even, nothing's out yet, but in the last episode that we recorded. All in good time. All in good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Dylan suggested Think Like a Monk, and I've been reading this book. Uh, I've been consuming this book long before Dylan started consuming this book. And I, as a coach, I've been going back and forth in this book. And there's a lot of things that have really jumped out at me in this book. And a lot of things that I'm really like, okay, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I want to talk about, but there's a lot, this is a, there's a, there's a lot in this book. And I want to say that we could probably talk for, for like, I don't know. It's a 10 hour book. We could probably talk for 10 hours about it. So I think, I think that that is a that is an interesting comment because i feel like if it's a 10 hour book we should be able to b- talk for more than 10 hours about it yeah fair enough we also yeah. have lives um and we also <laughs> want to leave a little bit for the kids at home uh to kind of get to yeah. um but i i'm definitely in agreement um that there is a lot here and not just you know 10 hours worth of book there are, oh. he does, I think, a really great job. There are a lot of books, without tripping all over myself, there are a lot of books that include, like, activities and, and kind of, like, questions to ask yourself. Yeah. Um, I, and he does that here, too. And I don't know if it's the kind of, um, the tone, the vibe that the rest of the, the book and his, um, the balance that he takes of narrative storytelling about his time becoming a monk and in his life versus more like theoretical musings that are a little bit more high level. I don't know if it's that balance or, or the actual quality of the activities, but I feel like, or it could even be that there are just a lot of activities, um, but there are a lot of them that feel really applicable and like doable. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are 11 chapters in this book and the whole book itself, this, by the way, if you didn't catch it, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Um, The whole book is divided into three main parts. So three main parts with 11 chapters front to back. And the three main parts are let go, grow, and give. And then the 11 chapters are kind of broken up within those sections. So in Let Go, he talks about identity, negativity, fear, and intention. And then he moves on to part two, which includes sections about purpose, routine, the mind, and ego. And then finally, part three, which is Give, covers gratitude, relationships, and service. Um, And, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest you could easily dedicate a couple hours worth of podcast to to each chapter you know or or at at the very least to each section part one part two and part three so it's it's really great stuff and it's kind of chock full he's got like a a, uh almost like a personality test at the end it fits within the context of the book that's not giving it enough credit to call it a personality (laughs) test yeah um, so that's the dharma verna thing and yeah. that's the that's in the 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 second part of the book that's the grow mm-hmm. part of the book and really that's where i'm i'm at with everything like yeah book and i think i reread a lot in that section um 
So as a coach, as someone who, who focuses on purpose and focuses on identity, like, you know, that right there, I I've taken the test. I've taken the test a couple times. Mm -hmm. Um, I took it when I first heard about it and I took it when I finished the book and mm -hmm. like that. And I, what's going to happen here, Dylan, I, I name dropped there. You see what I did? Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah. Well done, Jason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what's going to happen is we're going to bounce around all over this book. Like this is going to be, and uh, everyone listening at home and playing the home game and all that, <laughs> just know that you know, we're probably not spending enough time on what Jay Shetty breaks down. Yeah. Uh, we, he, he's got a whole bunch of insights, a whole bunch of wisdom. The dude, the dude was a monk and yeah. you know, I, I, I thought like, where do we start on this book and where do we, we go? So I, I have some ideas for start. Um, I have some questions, uh, but really the, the, the thing that at the very beginning of the book that he breaks down, which I feel like kind of sets a tone for most of the book, it's kind of like the spine of the book, if you will, maybe I'm wrong with this this reference but it no, on me he he says that you know he he's you know he grew up in uh, in london and i think that's right he grew up in london and he yeah. uh, has an indian background and mm -hmm. you know he had his pathways were really uh lawyer doctor or failure yeah those were his three choices yeah kind of culturally culturally um, and mm -hmm. but we also we put this on ourselves like you know uh what you know our parents want us to do what our boss wants us to do and all these things we put ourselves in this box mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know so he he ends up uh he ends up choosing the path of becoming a monk and you find out later in the book that he you know kind of kind of not gets kicked out kicked out is a really harsh way to put it he doesn't get kicked out but it it's yeah. completely correct and in and at the same time completely incorrect <laughs> right yeah it, it's kind of like um you know uh uh trapping a bird from the wild and then kicking it out of its cage uh, to, to <laughs> release it back out into the wild yeah. like that's where it belongs uh, and, yeah. And yeah to 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 put it one way right so yeah to put it kicked out is not is definitely not right uh he his his dharma was really not and we'll get into dharma because i want to talk about dharma here but his dharma was really it it was not being a monk well That's, let's let's was. do that though i think now is the time for dharma let's talk about dharma so yeah. i i'm going i'm going up to my notes my dharma notes do it Dharma right. it up, man. So, Dharma and, uh, right. you know, so there's Dharma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I've been sitting on that one. It's out now. It's out now. We can move past it. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't have all the great notes on the origin of the word and all that stuff. Um, and uh, he mentions in the book a couple of times, he mentions Sanskrit and he mentions um, languages. And I don't have that for this word but dharma boils down to is living in your purpose yes right? and Absolutely. for jay shetty this this moment in his life to kind of 
defined him, if you will. It kind of it brought him clarity, it brought him peace, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't his purpose. And you know, he talks about that in the book of you know, wanting he's a social guy and wanting to connect with people and mm-hmm. all these all these things. And at one point in time, one of his mentors is like in a in a very monk way, he's like, Yeah, this really isn't for you. You should you should do something else. And you you know, both of these terms I'm reflecting back on other books. So so one, we just talked about radical candor, right? And yes. it, that was our last episode. And a part of radical candor is when to fire someone. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that his his monk uh, uh, mentor in that moment was firing him for all the right reasons, you know, without, yes. I, I was even thinking to myself, like, if we talk that the, the monastery, you know, let him go, that sounds too corporate. Um, but in a way, get kicked out sounds too corporate it or too too harsh. Not corporate, but harsh. Yes, it was more along the lines of his his quote unquote boss. I'll put air quotes around that. <laughs> it's not really their relationship. More like a mentor, but basically said, "Look, man, there's bigger. Your purpose is not here in the monastery. This has been important, formative work, and now it's time for you to take what you've learned and apply it." elsewhere and his mentor helped him with that the other thing that it helps me reflect on is something that we've touched on before and that's this um concept of ikigai right this this connection between dharma and ikigai if uh you haven't heard that before um it's a japanese that was happiness equation that's where we we talked about ikigai is happiness equation right so So. a lot of this stuff is is connected the concept of ikigai is the reason you get up in the morning it's what drives you it's it's what gives you that life energy to carry on and your dharma is very much like that it's like you were saying before it's it's your purpose and i would argue that dharma um it, it, like a, a lot of the terminology he use in, uses in this book that is from Sanskrit, it's a complex, it's like a paragraph worth of explanation for one <laughs> word, right? I, yes. I wish we could have more of that in the English language, but um, it's not, it, it is your purpose, but it's not just your purpose. It's, it's also what you've grown, your, your skill set, what you're passionate about, what you're good at what you've achieved some mastery over. And for everyone, it's a little bit different. And finding it is, is critical to, to in your journey of life to really achieve happiness, to really achieve, you know, in this book, they, they touch on enlightenment a little bit. But what he's really getting at is just finding peace, really. Well, yeah. And that's really the, part of that finding your purpose is, is finding peace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks, so he, he kicks the book off and he talks about, you know, this are, these are my pathways. And he, he finally tells his parents and he really found out that his parents are like, okay, how are you going to survive? Like, sure. yeah. yeah, like what, how are you going to get your basic needs? And um, outside of that, they were good with it. And, you know, uh, his, I can't remember if he, his friends were telling him if, that he was making the wrong choice or he was like, Oh, I think my friends are going to say this, but um, what ends up really happening is he, he leaves uh, the, the ashram. I don't think it's called a, 
they don't call it a monastery it's, it's not it's, a monastery it's an ashram no. yeah yeah and so he, right. he leaves he leaves the ashram and you know he's going and talking to his friends on these high high corporate jobs and they're all stressed out and his part of his dharma is helping people mm-hmm. and so he starts teaching people how the how the book the book came to be is he starts teaching people to find peace yeah and really that's the the book's about is about finding peace and dharma is one of the 11 chapters it's it's there's definitely a lot covered and it absolutely finding one's dharma a good chunk of the book is dedicated to that and they talk about it early on and kind of the identity section mm-hmm. of the book and how to track that down. And it's that finding your dharma is a lot harder than we than 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 it kind of seems like it should be because we're our our vision is sort of clouded by um, this idea that I am I I think I am what you think yes. I am. And and unfortunately like it's very difficult for us to objectively see ourselves. It's because we're so tied up and there's another concept that we haven't covered too much, but this it's this difference between monkey mind. Do you remember that one? Yes. Oh yeah. The difference between monkey mind and monk mind, right? Monkey mind is constantly jumping around kind of hopping from one fear and anxiety and 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 distraction needs exactly to another and because that to be quite honest is sort of the default mode of our brain but because of that it's actually distracting us from our own actualization distracting us from our own happiness distracting us from our own dharma which which actually takes a lot of focus and um, the ability to kind of, and he talks about this a lot too, the ability to sort of detach. He talks a lot about detachment in this book yeah. and how attachment, and give me a second to, to qualify <laughs> that, um, but that attachment is a source of a lot of pain. When we're attached to the opinions that other people have of us. Outcomes. Exactly. That From that comes pain and a distraction from our dharma. When one of the reasons that monks detach themselves from their material possessions as they transition to their scholarship is precisely because it frees them from those kind of chains of materialism. Um, So being able to detach oneself from the opinions of others and detangle our own objective view of who we are from what other people think of us even other people that are very important even loved by us is critical uh to finding your way towards your dharma and yeah and if you you know you you struggle with people pleasing Mm -hmm. uh you know being being an extrovert i i would say that is something that i have struggled with Mm -hmm. in my life and uh, uh, i struggled with early on as a leader too sure you know I, I got to keep everyone happy. I, I, you know, I want, you know, I want to, I want to fill everyone's opinion of me, but 
that's what dharma is not about that dharma is about living in your purpose and you know that means that you know some people aren't going to like what your purpose is and i'm really glad that you shared that there is a, there's a quote and he's bolded this in his book this is a quote directly i'm reading right off the page it says when we tune out the opinions expectations and obligations of the world around us we begin to hear ourselves right and that's uh, uh, another concept that he circles back to again and again and again throughout the course of this book is meditation and the role that meditation and tuning out all those distractions to hear ourselves uh, is another similar to Dharma. It's another theme, if if I if I may, that runs through this whole book. He he starts there, he runs it through the middle of the book, and then he ends there with a lot more details about different types of meditation and, and what they could do for you. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've, I've meditated, I, you know, taking martial arts early on, I think as any, any young man does at one point in time takes martial arts. Um, usually you start for the wrong reasons, but you, you take martial arts and, uh, um, I was at this dojo and they said, Hey, do you want to do this guided meditation? And I'm like, sure. And it, it went well. I, I, I felt I was in a, a mindset and it, it went fine with me. There was a, you know, a, a calm about the, the stage that was set and whatnot. I have tried to meditate on my own uh, since then. And haven't been successful i've you know tried a couple different apps and stuff like that and you know uh i just it didn't really feel like i ever got to where i once was Mm -hmm. um but then i read the book okay yeah and kind of how he explains meditation and um again we're gonna bounce around uh he he talks to he was talking to his mentor about meditating and he's like i'm not gonna meditate he was on like a a a train ride from like mumbai to like south india or something like that and Mm -hmm. you know was god awful and it was noisy and he's telling his you know his monk mentor um you know, I don't even think he, I don't know if he ever gave him a name, but monk mentor. <laughs> you know, I suspect that there was more than one instructor yeah. that was referenced. It, it starts out with him following one particular yeah. uh, instructor, but then I, I think he kind of acknowledges that he also learns from other students and he yeah. learns from other kind of under instructors. He yeah. is also asked, even as a novice, to do instruction it's it's kind of part of his work yeah becoming a monk is to read uh the scriptures and the vedas and then to um impart those to teach those out of an understanding that as we teach so also do we learn so yeah which we're now going off a different path to learning uh i want to pull us back to the the meditation really quick um so he was the the story was is he was he was on this like two-day train ride mm-hmm. across uh, india and it was it was noisy it was you know it wasn't 
like the environment he was used to, which is like by a lake in a meadow type thing. Sure. And, yeah. Which really made me think of when I meditated well, it was in this very peaceful environment in my, I didn't have this monkey mind going on and mm-hmm. everything wandering. But as his, you know, his monk mentor tells him, it's like, yeah, you're, you're not always going to have this. And, you know, we, we train in a peaceful environment so we can meditate in a chaotic environment and it's like yeah um it is chaos there's a lot of chaos going on and how he talks about meditation and going yeah you're sometimes it takes you 30 minutes to settle Mm -hmm. he will say Mm -hmm. he was a monk and he's like yeah sometimes it takes me 30 minutes to settle and i'm like wait this dude was a monk and it takes him 30 minutes like i'm not i'm only i'm only meditating for like 15 minutes like how do i expect so I've been trying to get back into, you know, the, the meditation groove mm-hmm. and trying to give myself more time and knowing and giving myself forgiveness of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a, a whirl and really kind of find that peace. Um, Cause he, God, there's so much in this book. Cause yeah, I, I want to get back to this learning thing that you mentioned too, but you know, just, he gives you exercises. Mm-hmm. in this book and it's one of the things i really like about think like a monk is jay i'm gonna call him jay jay he goes and he gives us he he gives us exercises and he gives yeah. you breathing exercises and it's it's throughout the book um i think it's every chapter i don't like think it's you... it's every few pages like i'm yeah, looking at, <laughs> at uh, least at every Apple. few pages i mean even right here in the identity chapter th- there's pretty much something almost every really every couple pages this happens to be two pages with one uh activity on each page <laughs> yeah but here in the first chapter the first chapter is about 20 pages long and he has one two three four five it's 17 pages long he has five of those activities right and they're not all like meditation so this one here is the last activity out of chapter one identity it's a companion audit it says and again this is right out of the book over the course of a week make a list of the people with whom you spend the most time list the values that you share next to each person and then a question, are you giving the most time to the people who align most closely with your values? So, of course, this is out of the identity chapter, right? And it's but, really yeah. asking you to take a close evaluation of your identity. If you consider yourself to be, you know, um, a, a person who really values community service, and that's something that you hold dear, but the people that you're spending time with are not people who participate in those activities. You, you may really want to reconsider who you're spending time with. It doesn't mean kick your friends out, but it's really saying for you to find your Dharma, for you to get to your place of most peace, for you to move away from that monkey mind, then it might be time to do an audit of the people around you. And of course, you know, that's just one activity in a nearly 300 page book, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> I didn't go through and count them, but you know, one activity every three pages or whatever, that's uh, going to add up in a hurry. It's about a hundred activities at least. And some of them are like full page activities, yeah. 
with with multiple steps and but some of them like that companion audit you know are just a, a few sentences hey think about this thing yeah 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 even as you say that activity it you know it makes me think of you know uh growing up you know being in high school and trying to belong Mm-hmm. and trying to find my dharma in high school um and not realizing that i'm trying to live other people's dharma and i'm just trying to fit in but you know you you do things you join you may join a crowd because you hey i want to go do this mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's a it's a bad habit you shouldn't be doing and you know sometimes it's like oh yeah you know Oh, I'm going to, I'll, I'll pick on baseball because I don't like baseball. Oh, I'm going to go watch a baseball game because, you know, you know, it's everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, as you get older, you start finding these out and you start separating and it. It's, you may in the grand scheme of things have less friends, less, less friends, but mm-hmm. and maybe not even air quote less friends. You have less yeah. friends, but it's because you've now found people that you align with and you value with more. Well, and this, this idea about, about his idea of a, of a relationship audit or, a, or of a companion's audit squares really nicely with an idea that, that I've heard in other places, and you probably have too, I'm sure some of our listeners have, about that you're kind of the average of, of the five, five people that you spend the most time with, right? I mean, and, you know, if the five people that you spend the most time with, um, you know, struggle with the law and struggle with debt and struggle with finding careers, um, it's, it's going to be hard for you to find your way out of that mess, right? And which is not to say that we can suddenly overnight um, change our lives by changing the people we spend time with. But I think to a certain degree, you know, the people that you spend time with, they're the people that give you advice. They're the people that help you when you've failed. They're the people that support you when you succeed. They're the people that you go to for help. They're the people that you network with. And so it, it stands to reason that you would want them to share your values. And if ultimately what the hope is for achievement is to find you know, that peace to find that happiness, to, to be the best person that you know how to agree to find your, to be, to, to find your Dharma. Um, you're going to need to really take a look at all of the choices you're making, including the people that you spend time with. Yeah. I, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot there when it comes to, what am I really trying to say? What I'm really trying to say here is think like a monk really helps you look inward i mean Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about being a a monk but it really helps you look inward so so as a coach you're you're helping people look inward and you're guiding them through a process Mm -hmm. right think like a monk gives you tools to help look inward and it's great it, it it really and I, I think this is why I it took me so long to read this book because I would literally read a chapter and then I would go back and I would reread that same chapter because I'm like, oh no, no, no. I, I, I need to I need to understand this better. Yeah. So, um, I mean and 
No, go ahead. I was going to say just some general advice, and this is not not for you. You know how you read. You know how to be your best learner. For me, and I've done this with other books. I did this with um, with uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Uh, I've done this with um, uh, the Happiness Equation. I did this with the Power of Habit, which I don't. We haven't done a podcast on yet maybe someday. Um, but the way I tend to work is that I read a book cover to cover, right? Front to back. And then I go back and I'll, I, I'll hit, I've done. Yeah. Right. I'll hit the stuff that needs to be hit again. And this is one without putting the cart before the horse. Uh, this is definitely a book that's going to be one of those that I go back to repeatedly, um, similar to um, the power of habit or the happiness equation. This is going to be one that's going to be part of my reading a, a few times a year pile. At least certain chapters out of it. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if I would read this whole book a few times a year. And this is Carp for the Horse. I was going to ask like we should at the end. Right? Would you read this again? I, I don't know if I would go back and like read the whole book. No, I would agree. Year. Yeah, but chapter chapters, sections, activities. Reference, um, yes. Yeah, break, break it down and say, okay, well, I really like, I really think what would help me grow right now are these three activities. Let's go ahead and get them going for this week, right? Let's get some meditation yeah. up off the ground. Let's get some, he's got some great activities for the morning. I'll, I'll track them down a little bit later in the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, just kind of ways to get your day rolling. And, and, and ways of thinking about the world related to those activities. But yeah, absolutely being able to go back to those chapters. Uh, this book also has a, uh, a four square or a four quadrant, whatever. I think, you know, so far, most of the books we've read, I think besides um, the five agreements. People are, people are going to uh, start thinking that four, we, it's yeah. the four agreements. I will. I, I look, there's a book called the fifth agreement and it came up today. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> the four agreements besides the four agreements, the fifth element. Is, it, fifth. is that, is that the same thing? <laughs> it, we can read that book, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this book does have a, a four quadrant. It is on, it is on page 103. One, okay, I'm turning to page 103. 103, there's a four quadrant. Four, four purpose, there's a four quadrant. Okay, all right. Uh, quadrants of potential, right? Okay. So, you know, uh, yeah. So if you uh, were curious, you know, does the book have a, a, a four square, a four quadrant, if you will? Uh, Answer is yes. So Answer is yes. It, stamp approved. We're, there you go. Like, Box like, checked. You you now know that this book is legit. Well, I should uh, <laughs> check the power of habit. I got to make sure that it has a four square boxy thing in there somewhere. It I'm, I would be surprised if the power of habit didn't. It must. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as I read this book, and as I'm like, where is this conversation going to go? Because there's so much. Like, mm -hmm. we've just, like, scratched the surface talking about really one chapter. Um, I think what I was really curious about was how do you pass the wisdom from this book on to your students? I, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, 
there are so many good activities. I, I talked a little bit about the activities earlier on, and he's got them in these shaded sections, but a lot of them, if I could be blunt, without being too weird, right? Like, <laughs> if I could be blunt activities. without being too weird. <laughs> well, you know, there, there are some activities, you know, where it's like, okay, this might be a good activity for me. But if I do this with my kids, and then they go home and tell moms and dads about it, I could see some awkward emails uh, exchanging. But, <laughs> but in all sincerity, there are a lot of great activities in here, particularly focused around gratitude, focused around finding focus, and uh, frankly, a lot of anecdotes and quotes that can um, rather easily be applied into a classroom setting. So I've actually got this one right here, and my post-it note says, use this in class what is that the new morning routine what, what, it what's is that it's one? on page 128 for okay. those of you following the at home guide um <laughs> playing play the home game playing the home game um it's a new morning routine and it says every morning make some time for thankfulness insight meditation and exercise and i know um, it, it, not necessarily, I know, uh, exercise, activity, fitness are a big part of my, um, daily routine. It's a big part of how I maintain my center, um, along with thankfulness, right? So the thankfulness component is expressing some gratitude, uh, some, to someone, some place or something every day, thinking it, writing it, sharing it. And then the insight section, gain insight through reading, the paper or a book or listening to a podcast, basically learn something, right? I'm a teacher. I, I, I've got some resources for that. Um, meditation. Um, I believe that um, anybody can benefit from meditation, even if it's just a few minutes worth of breathing exercise, right? It doesn't need to be three hours of meditation. Frankly, I don't have time for that. Um, but just <laughs> settling one's mind and, and working on breathing exercises, actually a big component of our social, uh, socio, not our socio, our social and emotional curriculum is emotional regulation, particularly through managing breathing with students. So that is a skill that we explicitly teach in the classroom. It sounds a little strange to say I explicitly teach kids how to breathe, but I do explicitly teach kids how to breathe. But that was actually said in the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I didn't, I, I forgot I, about telling yeah. now. Yeah. In mm -hmm. the very beginning of the book, he, he's at the ashram for like the first time. They're like, what are we doing? They're like, well, we're teaching the kids to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's the first thing you do in your life. And it's the last thing you do in your life. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's teach, let's teach people to breathe. And I, I think that's really smart. Yeah, it, teaching, um, it's teaching anyone, but I'll say particularly students, children, uh, how to breathe is a way for them to manage anxiety, manage fear, manage uh, sadness, anger, and other strong emotions be able to calm themselves down from any level of stimulation can be done 
through breathing. Um, so when I read this meditation piece, what, I, what I'm seeing will work for my kids is practicing that type of breathing, that type of focused breathing, and then transitioning on to exercise. And maybe we would do them in this order and maybe we would not, but um, I've already planned, uh, I already do incorporate exercise into my daily kids, uh, my daily routine with my students more than once per day. I think it's pretty important for uh, kids at the elementary level to maintain active lifestyles. And if the only exercise they get is during recess, um, for, for most schools, that is insufficient. Like the data says <laughs> that is insufficient. And in fact, the data also indicates um, that additional time spent doing exercise without getting too wonky about it, but additional time spent doing exercise is just as valuable as that time spent doing extra instruction. So in other words, the time you invest in exercise, you actually get back in terms of better focus and effort from your students. And you know, it makes it a little bit of a difference whether it's in the morning or the afternoon or whether you're going directly to mathematics or a reading activity. There's some difference there. I encourage anybody who's in the education field to do their own research and arrive at their own conclusions. But <laughs> the data to me is pretty unequivocal about the benefits of exercise. It not only helps our kids be healthier, but it is a better way to manage behavior and um, initiate focus, particularly for our kids who are prone to anxiety, who are prone to uh, activity and hyperactivity disorders. Um, so anyway, it's thought thankfulness is our T, insight is our I, meditation is our M, and exercise is our E, those together come together to form the word time, hence the slight uh, um, joke, uh, word joke about every morning make some time for these four activities. So yeah. that's just one example that that was a very wordy, verbose, sorry, everyone, uh, answer to your question. Verbose. Okay. Verbose, yes. Um, answer to your question about what in here can be used in the classroom. Folks, that's just one example. Uh, of frankly a, a litany of other things that could be used in the classroom or even as a parent um, and I would argue even if you don't use any of these even if I never bring this t-i-m-e to my students me doing it and finding time in my morning for thankfulness insight meditation and exercise will help me to be my best self and when I am my best self I am a much more capable and patient teacher of children. And I think yep. that this would apply to um, you being a, a patient um, coworker, a patient spouse, a patient partner, um, a patient anything. I think being your best self, finding your center and uh, greeting the day with gratitude is helpful to, helpful to anybody. Yeah. So basically you're, you're creating space. We, we talked about this yeah. in the happiness equation. You're, you're, you're creating space. So mm -hmm. that, that breathing, I, I think that's really awesome that you're, that's part of the curriculum mm -hmm. to teach mm -hmm. kids how to breathe. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, what I'm really curious about is like, really, what does that entail? Um, you know, some of the, some of the materials a, a little bit uh, is a little cheesy, but um, what it really does is it, it tries to show the kids 
um, that when you're having a strong emotional response, you're, you've been insulted, somebody has stolen your stuff or shoved you or cut in line, you know, kind of common stuff that happens at school, it's natural to have an emotional reaction to that. And those emotional reactions have feelings, right? We feel our skin get hot. We feel sometimes our stomach start to churn. We feel our blood pressure rise. We feel our heart rate increase or our respiration increase. And when we feel those things, those physical signs of um, sometimes excitement in a positive way, sometimes excitement in a negative way, um, we need to manage those emotions. If we just react, if we just respond to those emotions, we're basically um, going to respond in a flight or fight or flight sort of mentality. Um, if, if we don't manage those emotions, and that's going to lead to a mistake. If somebody cuts in front of us in line and we shove them, that's not a constructive response. And that's just going to lead to an escalation and, and frankly, more trouble for everybody. Whereas if we can breathe, we can manage our emotions, we can manage our, our physical response, we can take that reaction out of the amygdala, that fight or flight portion of our brain, and, and move it to a different part of our brain, uh, namely our prefrontal cortex, once we've calmed down through deep breathing, then we can actually have an intelligent conversation and do some problem solving. And if you think about how this applies then in the adult world, right, managing our emotions and being able to calm down before we make a response is really critical to having positive relationships with your partner, positive relationships with your boss and coworkers. Um, I would argue that kind of um, without overblowing it, but, but frankly, the, some of the crises that we have here in the United States are to a certain, a certain extent, extent, wow, listen to me, um, Sandy, I've got to lay off that it's, beer. It's apparently. my accent. Um, <laughs> it's your accent. <laughs> the results of a lack of emotional regulation, an inability to um, back away, to regulate uh, ourselves away. Detach. Yes, to detach from that emotional response, to put the ego down, to calm ourselves enough to have a reasonable conversation and actually problem solve uh, around some of the issues that we're having. And I mean, we're, what you're teaching the kids then is essentially emotional intelligence. Yes. You're absolutely. teaching them how to, to recognize emotions, what to do when you're feeling this emotions. I mean, I know I've, I have sent the emotionally charged email and I've received the emotionally charged email. Mm -hmm. And after rereading it, I mean, like, wow, I probably should have used a little bit more emotional intelligence here. Um, or you've received it and be like, okay, but I can see that they're emotionally charged. I'm not going to feed into it. Right. Yeah. Like I, you're, I, I obviously see you're passionate about this, you know, or I'm it, responding, Hey, I came across passionate about this. Yeah. You know, let me explain my stance, but that, you know, that's something that, I mean, was it Daniel, Daniel Goldman, uh, teaches, uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like he was the, the, the person who really coined that term of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we going through this, the book. Um, now we're going back to think like a monk, but going sure. through yeah. think like a monk, uh, you know, and that detaching and really recognizing why am I feeling this way right now? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I think, uh, yes, let's start with yes. Yeah. Why? Also, not just, I mean, in order to get to the, why am I feeling this way? You have to have a a cognition, right? Just that recognition that I am elevated right now. And if I take action in this state, bad consequences will ensue. And being able to recognize that when that emotion kicks in, when those strong emotions start, I feel my heart rate is elevated. You know what? I need to just slow my roll for a minute, do some deep breathing, think for a minute, separate, detach from the situation, either physically or emotionally, preferably both, and and then then transition to some problem solving. Because and uh, folks, I am a I am a martial artist. I am ex-military. If you are trying to solve problems in an elevated emotional state, um, for some of us, that means solving problems with our knuckles, and that just leads to more problems. Um, I've seen it happen before. I've been fortunate that I've been able to manage myself enough that I have managed to barely um, (laughs) escape being a victim of my own emotions in that way. But uh, I've seen it get the better of many, many good men um, who otherwise you would not picture in that situation. But emotional regulation is very important. And I use it, the, those lessons that I teach with my kids already before reading Think Like a Monk, right? This is building onto my knowledge about emotional regulation. It is not the foundation of my knowledge of emotional regulation. But what I'll say is that it's important for us to teach these skills to kids so that they grow into adults that can regulate themselves and, and not escalate problems. So I, you know, as you're talking, I opened up, I opened up the book to, I'm on page 65. All right. And um, really it's, it's probably, I should be, um, you know, so it's really, so this is the first chapter is all about letting go. And that's really what we're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a couple pages in it's like fear is not sustainable. Right. And when we let, when we let our emotions run us and we let our emotions kind of, which is that monkey mind really yeah. take charge of everything there's there's almost a state of fear people are living in around you and you're living in Mm. if i bring this to them how are they going to react yeah right i i think we've all had that it guy at least i know i have we've all had that it guy. if i bring them with this problem hey i just can't figure out why excel's doing this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how are they going to react right yeah right um and that letting go and managing your emotions and recognizing them. I, I don't know how many times I've told people I'm leading and they'll be like, they'll say something like, sorry, I'm frustrated. You don't need to be sorry that you're yeah. frustrated. Don't frustration is an emotion. Yeah. 
right? Let's talk about why you're frustrated in this moment. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to have that conversation. Yeah. Now, hey, I hit that person because I was frustrated. <laughs> I, I've never had that happen to me. Thank goodness. I, I hope to never have that happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's not an acceptable response. And, you know, having these things, and this is like, you know, I have got, I got a little one and, uh, you know, a, a little one, a toddler, you know, yeah. toddlers, they are not mastering their emotions right oh, now. Oh, goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. They are not mastering their emotions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's a lot to be said. And I think the way he's laid it out about letting go. Mm-hmm. Before you can really get into that finding your purpose, mm-hmm. that that letting go is is something you just have to figure out how to do. Now, whether that is is through coaching, is through therapy, is through reading Jay's book, mm-hmm. it's through you know self improvement, whatever that is. I, I really think that whole part one section letting go is is a step that you can't you can't just go hey i'm gonna open this book and like you know what dude dharma sounds awesome guess what guys dharma is awesome yes right okay dharma is awesome but mm-hmm. we we gotta we gotta figure out you know all this important of let's process this before we go and this is he talks about and i'm trying to think there is an exercise and i want to know if i'm trying to think i can find it um and it was about letting go uh that's your time exercise i i am not going to know what remember what this exercise so um there's some really good uh exercises in here about um auditing your values yeah um and i i think part of auditing your values okay actually fine i'm auditing your values is good we can get back to it but really the auditing your negative comments i found it it's page 34 right okay Right. So, you know, keep a tally of your negative remarks you make over the course of a week and see if, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot, it was a lot simpler than I thought. Right. Um, And then, uh, you know, it's, I I found it really surprising. So I did it for a day. Right. I, I audited my negative comments for a day. What'd you find? I did more than I would like. Sure. And now I feel like some of them you can justify, like, hey, I'm busting chops, right? Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I was not using radical candor. Um, sure. if, I, if I had something I was, I was getting frustrated about it and taking my frustration, saying negative comments and undermining comments when I shouldn't. And nothing that was, was bad, nothing that was sure. like horrible, but it was doing that exercise and going hey how many negative comments are saying really did help out well and i would argue that there is a difference between um some critical feedback 
as a manager and as a trainer, in my case, as an instructor, I think there's a difference between that and, you know, negative comments, right? If, 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 if I go to a student and I'm giving them feedback about their writing, right? There, yeah. there are different ways that I can frame it. You know, this is, this is a run on sentence. That is a fact. That is feedback. You can break it up by deleting all the ands and replacing them with periods. That is actionable feedback. That doesn't always feel good. <laughs> and the part of the work that I do is helping prepare students to receive that kind of feedback. And I don't ever give feedback in isolation. And if you will listen back to our podcast about radical candor or just read radical candor yourself you'll find that she does not in or, fact or, or both oh, or both that'd be great yeah. um yeah. She, the the author of radical candor uh scott was it jill scott kim scott excuse me jill um, kim does not advocate for just slapping critical feedback onto people she actually advocates for a more balanced approach yes be direct about your feedback but also be direct about your praise too, right? Mm -hmm. Tell people what they're doing well and be direct about it. And then be direct about what they need to do to improve and move on to the next level. Um, and that was, well, so in Jay's book on praise, that was another thing he talked about, about mm -hmm. giving clear praise. Sure. I found that very interesting. We talked about that in Radical Candor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, instead of, hey man, thank you. But like yeah. really getting into Hey, thanking you for helping me out doing X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and it Z. It really, it really helped me out with. Uh, well, so, and yeah. that comes back to meeting situations with gratitude. That comes back to um, putting, you know, kind of good energy into the world, being of service, being cognizant that our words have power, right? Um, so anyway, I think what I'm trying to do. Uh, uh, I'm trying to say, just because you're giving corrective feedback, I don't know that that necessarily falls into the category of negative comments. And I think it also depends on the situation too. There's a, a short anecdote later on in the book where um, Jay, by the way, we're, we're reading Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk, if you missed it. Um, Jay tells an Who, anecdote. Who's starting, who's starting mid-podcasts? if you just joined us if you just joined us but um he tells an anecdote about a time where they're they're at you know a, a seminar or something and it's him and uh one of his instructors and um several other kind of junior monks and he observes the junior monks and while some instruction is going on those junior monks are like laughing and kind of elbowing each other and and kind of being juvenile and he notices this but doesn't feel like it's his place to provide that a correction and he notices that the instructor who should be correcting these guys is saying nothing and he addresses it later with the instructor he's he's looking for clarity and he says well why didn't you say anything and he says you jay you're seeing them as they were in that moment I am seeing how far they have come. I'm seeing how far they have come. 
right? And I think that's important too, context. If I'm, I'm walking down the hall with a group of kids and you see one kid get out of line and flip a cartwheel in the middle of the hallway and jump up and down and go back to line, you might think that I lack any control over that student, but you're seeing them in that moment. And I am seeing that last week, they were shoving people out of the way, jumping up and landing on other students and singing a song about a very rude monkey, right? So I'm seeing <laughs> where they have come. I'm seeing their progress. So even though I might not correct the cartwheel today, I recognize that they've grown over time. And so I may choose to not make a correct, give them corrective feedback in that moment. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up this this story. I, I kind of forgot about the story in the book. I mean, there's a lot that he goes through, and I feel like there's, there's a, lot. a lot to forget and a lot to remember all at the same time. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons this book is kind of so approachable and, and has us both, if I may be so bold, kind of excited, is that he balances kind of the almost wonky... Um, uh, ideas in his book uh, alongside real anecdotes about ways that this helped him on a, on what was frankly a very unconventional journey. It, a very unconventional journey. Um, uh, it's, it's funny as you say that. Uh, I was, I was in martial arts was taking martial arts. Uh, People are going to start thinking uh, you're some sort of ninja. I I'm far far from it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. But uh, the movie The Last Samurai mm -hmm. came out. Remember The Last Samurai? Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Great great movie. It was a solid Very movie. Good. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter um, how you feel about Tom Cruise, which I don't have particularly good feelings about Tom Cruise, I really like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. We can, we can do a whole separate podcast. We could do a whole podcast just whole about that episode on, about on just Tom Cruise. And just our Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm like, when that movie came out, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this last samurai thing. I'm going to go to this. And it really wasn't practical or realistic uh, to do it. Um, and it, it's hard to carry a samurai sword in the in the course of our daily activities here in the uh in the old us of a well uh, it was more i meant that i was gonna go live in a monastery oh okay okay i was gonna go do this and um you know i didn't and i uh it's not that i was coached out of it i just feel like there was logistical things that just i couldn't figure out or didn't put enough energy to figure out uh but you know in a way jay jay did that in a very unconventional way like he made as a pretty big life choice yeah hey instead of becoming a lawyer or you know doctor i'm gonna go i think he was on path for a lawyer too uh uh i'm gonna go become a monk yeah right uh, there's a, a self-evaluation. I don't really know where I'm going with this statement anymore. I just that's, that's realized okay. that. You, don't um, have to. you know, what I do want to get back to, though, uh, so yeah, Jay, he made, 
he made this this pretty big life choice. So here's how I'm going to connect this. This is a really oddball connection. He made this really big life choice into going into becoming a monk. And, you know, he, it, he made this change and this change kind of defined who he was. Um, and one of those definitions, and I'm going to get to see how I'm getting back to this, this is a very long, I'm trying to make this work. I'm trying to dig myself out of this we conversation. Took the, we took the scenic route here. Yeah, we took the scenic <laughs> all the way down, mm. all the way down one-on-one to uh, Mexico. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, uh, in the very beginning, um, there's a curate, curate your values. And moving values, demoting values, uh, uh, you know, demote values, elevate values, um, define values. Um, and that's something that really stuck out for me. Um, as, as we try to get towards our dharma, if, mm-hmm. You know, because he's still in the in the letting go or let go stage of the book at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. talking about values, which I found really interesting reading on that he didn't talk about it later in the 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 purpose section of everything. Right. Because to well, me, values is purpose. Uh, OK, no. Right. It, it kind of it's, it's maybe like a backbone of your 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 dharma type thing sure but really him saying hey you know you got to go and and figure out these values as part of letting go Mm -hmm. right and i i did you know as you know going through uh the invite change coaching program and going through all this stuff there, I went in with baggage. We all have baggage. I go in with baggage. And one of the first things you do is really go over and identify values. Mm-hmm. And that's early on in the program. And as I, as I thought about it, I'm like, oh, so it's early on in the book as well. Sure, yeah. And he gives some pretty cool exercises. Um, you know, uh, the one I liked was look at the three best and three three worst choices you've made. Mm-hmm. And the one that uh, I don't know if this was a best or worst choice, but you know we before you and I even met, mm-hmm. uh, I had a girl. Mm, yeah, uh, I was. I was. I was in the love. I, I ran off to, to I ran off to be with her mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. Yeah. And I didn't let go of that for the longest time. I mm-hmm. held on to that. Why did she leave me? I this is the one. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But if I stayed, or if I continued on the the why path. I would have not found my wife. Right. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have found you to get all to get all emotionally man savvy. Uh, I wouldn't have found you. Long because, distance bro hug. Yeah. Because 
the first restaurant job I got back, I got yeah. after I moved back from being with her. Oh, gotcha. Uh, was at at we can I, we at the Coho. Does the Coho even exist anymore? I know the Redmond it, one doesn't. It, it but, does. Yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. The red one, one I know it doesn't, I, but you know, and this whole time I didn't even realize it. I was like, I was like a rebound for you. you yeah, you were, you were very <laughs> much so, <laughs> very much so a rebound. But yeah, so there's this, this evaluating these choices mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at the three best and three worst, you know, and he really goes, why go through why you make them, why you made them, what you learn from them, um, how would you have done it differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and those questions I can ask for the the whole relationship ending and stuff like that. Uh, in this instant, it really wasn't my choice. Sure. Yeah. Right. But I like the exercise. I like the evaluation, and the evaluation really helps you figure out the these values. But it was your choice. If uh, I'll push back just a hair. Ooh, you're gonna push back. What do you got? It was your choice to go to her? It was my choice to go to it, her. It was your choice to to follow her. There, there, there. Maybe, maybe there were some signs that you missed, right? And you're you're classifying this. You you brought this up as an example I did. of of a of a potential of a decision that you weren't that that you classified into like the worst decision category right you know and i don't know is it the worst decision or is it the best decision because you know it was the best decision not to continue to dwell on it yes um it was definitely the best decision there Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it was definitely probably one of the worst moments at the time yeah, uh, no longer, good. no right. longer, uh, no longer in the top ten. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. at the at the time, uh, it was one of the worst moments, and there were definitely choices I could have made differently. And going through this exercise really helped me look at these and go, "Hey, we all have, we all have this these choices." Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, he goes on, and I don't remember if it's here or later on in the book. And it might have be later when he's talking about gratitude and journaling that having these conversations with yourself and asking yourself questions and understanding the best and worst and what you learned and would you have done it differently? It's not going to change what happened, mm-hmm. but it's going to help you process that emotional baggage. Absolutely. And this also reminds me of another, he talks about, he talks about wheatgrass. Believe me, I'm coming back around to your thing. Um, he talked about, <laughs> is, he this talked a, about, is this another Highway 101? It, no, 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 I promise. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it won't be too long, but he talks about wheatgrass and he compares a, a, like a wheatgrass juice shot to orange mm. juice, right? And the acknowledgement that he makes right in the book is that, look, we all know that that wheatgrass shot is gross. It's gross. It does not look, nobody can drink grass juice and tell you with a straight face that they enjoy it, the taste anyway, because it tastes like grass. 
Um, orange juice <laughs> tastes great, refreshing, sweet, but we know that it's not good for our health, right? The point that he's trying to make there is that these experiences that we have, the discomfort that we experience there, the discomfort of the choices that we make, and sometimes the choices that don't work out and cause us pain, are helping us to learn and grow, right? And yes, we should not tolerate abuse. That is different. Let's get that out there right now. And he even talks about that in the book, that we should not tolerate abuse. There's a difference between an insult and abuse. And he talks about that in the book. We should ignore insults. We should not ignore abuse. But the idea that some of these unpleasant experiences should not be shied away from or shoved into the closet of our memory, right? But that, in fact, we should audit these like you were like you started out. Yeah. I told you we'd get back around to it, right? That we should audit these experience somewhat and, and taste of them like the wheatgrass because they are good for us to help us learn and grow, to identify our values and help us identify our dharma. And this is why, you know, I, I would say if one of the things I've, I've struggled with is, is journaling. I like mm. the idea of journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a couple different journals and uh, I found that the journals that I did that were, were structured, uh, I actually had more issue with than if I just wrote down in a book, like just a composition notepad mm-hmm. and asked myself like questions like how did I feel today yeah I think mm-hmm. you know because taking that that daily self-evaluation and you know you can use a gratitude journal you know what am I grateful for today mm-hmm. which I, th- I think is is really helpful from getting you out of that negative mindset yes what, what am I what am I grateful for today and really appreciating what you have a lot of people t- are in that I think there was one, I'm trying to remember how the question was phrased. It was something like, like, what's the worst thing? What's something that happened to you that you didn't deserve? Mm, That was a good section. Yes. Yeah. Tell us Um, more about that. Yeah. So what, and it was, you know, what's something happening you deserve? And then all the, the monks write down all these kind of horrible things and the senior monk monk director instructor the, the, yeah the instructor monk really started to question and go so you all wrote down all these negative things mm-hmm. and no one i'm trying to remember how he spun it but it was basically like None of you wrote down happy stuff. He said it yeah. monk like, but it was like none of you wrote down happy stuff. And that's when Jay started talking about, yeah, that's when Jay started talking about uh, um, driving home as a child and uh, this young girl uh, pulling food out of a, a garbage can. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then and then kids going and complaining that I don't want macaroni tonight. Right. right. Yes. And the only thing that was on the, that little girl's menu was garbage. Yeah. 
and yeah. you know really taking this evaluation of you know i, I got a roof over my head mm-hmm. you know yeah it's easy to get yeah you don't have oh yeah i'm sorry you don't have the the latest xbox or playstation or nike shoes all not sponsors by the way no no um, no definitely yeah no. yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, but we, we get into these, you know, very possessional things of, oh yeah, I gotta have this, I gotta have this Gucci belt or I gotta have whatever it is. I think it was actually, he talked about that. There was, he talked about the, the Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. I think that was in that same conversation, the Bill Gates, Warren Buffett of, yeah, you know, that it's a picture of them. It's like, these guys are worth billions of dollars, not a Gucci belt in sight. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was when he actually mentioned about um, having, and this, I actually marked it out because that was like the third, I feel, or maybe the fourth time he had mentioned the idea of a daily uniform. I'm, I'm fine with putting quotes around that, which we have talked about before too, because that was mentioned in the happiness equation. I mentioned the happiness equation. Something that I do, actually, something I do, and I'm, I'm I'm looking at possibly making some deeper changes too. Yeah, yeah. It, and it uh, this is on the same page as the Warren Buffett. By the way, page one seventy four. If you needed a reference, it well, says, <laughs> "Vanity and ego go hand in hand. We put enormous effort into polishing the appearance of the self we present to the world. When we dress and groom for ourselves, it is because we want to feel comfortable and appropriate." Quote. And then easily achieved through a daily uniform. And even because we appreciate the color or style of certain clothes, but the ego wants more. It wants us to get attention for how we look, big reaction and praise. If it, it finds confidence and joy in impressing others. There's a meme that shows Warren Buffett and Bill Gates standing side by side. The caption reads 162 billion in one photo and not a Gucci belt in sight. If you're satisfied with who you are, you don't need to prove your worth anyone else and and there's a lot to be just there's i mean there's a lot there's a lot to unpack just in that right oh yeah yeah um because so when i was getting ready for my my test uh this last weekend um i i'd done a lot of of a lot of reading on how to get ready for it what do i need to you know what do i need to go over so Going over core competencies, going over uh, ethics, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm dismissing the stuff like that. Going over it's those things. It's just ethics. I yeah, mean, no big that. deal. <laughs> so, and it's those things I felt really comfortable with. What I found in one article that I feel like really helped me was setting the stage. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was getting ready and I was kind of feeling gross and i'm like i'm gonna go and it sounds weird i'm gonna go you know cut my fingernails wash my hands take a shower mm-hmm. get ready i'm gonna have i'm gonna have uh, a sliced pizza right um, i'm gonna go down i'm gonna make sure that you know i i and i put on i put on my uniform i usually mm-hmm. don't like it was it was a little a little warm out but it wasn't hot out and you no know, i put on my uniform which is 
you know, jeans and a gray t-shirt. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt comfortable. I, I made everything feel right. Sure. Yeah. And set the stage for that moment. And I, I've been wearing uh, blue jeans and a gray t-shirt for almost two years now. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, probably just over two years now. I've been wearing that same outfit every day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it changes when the wife says, hey, we're going out somewhere nice. And I say, okay, well, we'll pick it out for me. And I did it based on decision. Sure, yeah. But I, when I first started doing it, I, I was really worried when I got my new job. Like, hey, I'm gonna, he's, he wears a great t-shirt every day. Mm-hmm. does he even do laundry yeah does he do yeah but i i got past that now it's just hey i'm comfortable wearing a gray t-shirt every day and you know it's a little weird if i don't right yeah yeah it becomes your thing yeah. right so yeah and- getting getting and being comfortable with it yeah is is there's really something to be said about it mm-hmm. it helps you be comfortable with yourself i would agree with that I would propose, if I may, Uh that what we've been talking about is uh, roughly halfway through the book. Okay. Um, I think that we should continue the conversation of the last half of the book, kind of the last sections, if you will, where we really talk about uh, the last part of part two, which is grow, and really dig into part three, which is give. Um, I, I read it, I've got a ton of sticky notes in there, but we've covered a lot of ground already today. And the hour is late. Um, and so I might propose that we break this off and continue this uh, in our next podcast. All right, so you would like your, your proposal yes is um touching on a little bit more on grow which we started out in grow because that has purpose Um, yeah but i i I could definitely talk about uh uh ego catch me if you can is what that really that chapter is called yeah that and that's which is is one of my favorite go ahead one of my favorite movies yes i like yeah, I think Leo was like 13 when he did that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and I are on a first name basis as well, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. that was that was literally the page that I was at was yeah. ego. So yeah. if we covered from ego to the end of the book, and then could we could take a little bit of time to talk about the um, the appendices and the um, the the breathing activities the test, and maybe even the yeah. test, yeah. Um, there's also a great section about uh, in the conclusion uh, that I'd really love to cover as well that I think is really important. Okay, so it sounds like so it sounds like we have uh, you know about <laughs> uh, you know about another hour to talk. Yeah, um, and the 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 time is time as we um i i support this decision the other thing is is i'm also i gauge our talking 
about <laughs> based on the water. I get this big, this big pint glass, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Filled with water. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting towards the end of it. And um, I have to stop and eventually get more water anyway. So my dude, my dude. Oh, wait, let me try that again. Dylan, my dude. See, I got, I got a name drop. We got to, there you go. That's all yeah, good. Dylan, Jason, my dude. Dylan, Dylan, my dude. I, I love this idea. Um, Let's do it. We will, we will uh, continue. It also, I, I think that's good because we've bounced around so much in this book. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot that's been said, and I'm I'm sure a lot that could have been said better. Um, just because there's so much that he conveys, and such, I, that's one of the things I'll give him that how he puts, as I stumble through my words, how he puts these He's kind so of comp, yeah, condensed, uh, yeah, these, these <laughs> complex ideas, yeah, and some of these these mind challenges if you will mm-hmm. um how he he frames them is way better than we're giving it credit yeah um so i i think stopping and doing this again um is is the right call so yeah. let's let's we'll do it let's let, let's stop we will we will put a pause to think like a monk by jay shetty if you're just now tuning in if you're just now tuning in, yeah, yeah, the, the one yeah. weirdo of the group that has now fast forwarded <laughs> the last five minutes of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you're just not tuning in, we're wrapping things up, but there will be a, a part B of this. this in book. conclusion, right. read the last half of the book and rejoin yeah. us next time. <laughs> Our podcast was originally recorded on Zoom. Special thanks to Skillsoul on Pixabay for providing our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please hit the like and subscribe button on your podcast provider. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes Review Books. Let us know what you think we should review. Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing, keep pursuing what's important to you, and keep listening to our podcast. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh.